Welcome to Talking In Stations, a podcast about EVE Online, recorded live on Saturdays, 1500 UTC. I am Matt Earl, your host from the Destructive Influence Corporation, NCDOT, and also INN. And today we have a show about uh, the action that's heating up in the southern region of the map, and that is catch uh, between what is the Legacy Coalition and uh, NCPL. And uh, of course, Pravi Block is in the area and a few others. So we have a great show, a lot of guests, uh, including Vili, who just wrote an article for INN. Uh, actually, it was a submission. Great battle report. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of like the old days of battle reports. Um, and let's actually introduce everybody. So we'll just go from top to bottom here alphabetically and start with uh, from Goon Swarm, uh, Apple Pear. Hello, I'm Apple Pear. Uh member of Goonstrom Federation, Coral Park Yugo, and uh, IFC sometimes. I'm Carnero, uh, CEO of The Bastion. Hey, what's up? It's Dirk McGurk, uh, member of Sniggardly and Pandemic Legion and co-host of The Open Com Show. Hello, I'm Azalis, and I'm in GSF, and I've been writing guides for INN. Hi, I'm uh, Yin Tom. I'm a member of CVA, uh, our CVA's head FC, and a member of CSM. And uh, Vili is here with us from Test Alliance, formerly of, was it Goonswarm? I guess it was. Hi, I'm Billy, formerly of Eternity Incorporation, formerly of Mercenary Coalition, formerly of, you know, some now forgotten uh, candid role players uh, what was, years ago. What was your NPC? Yeah. <laughs> bloody, spint, bloody splinter factions. Yeah. But now from Test. Now currently a uh, uh, mighty fleet commander of the Glorious Test Alliance, please ignore. Let's talk about what you uh, wrote up this, what, a few days ago, and that was the battle at Head GP, pretty big. But before we get to that, can you tell us something about the history uh, of Head GP? Because it's definitely one of those systems that gets mentioned a lot over the history of EVE. Okay, well, uh, Head GP is probably the uh, most crucial um, point in the southern sphere of EVE, basically. It is the high sec to null sec gate between uh, the central south and, um, you know, Empire. It goes from Cabers to Head GP. And it is also uh, has a variety of really interesting features. It is a seven moon system. It has good bridge range, especially good range in the older system. And uh, while it has no, you know, moons of relevance, the fact that it's a seven moon system uh, with with a, uh, like, it's got a super jump link. I don't know how to, you guys really describe them, but it's one where the gate to jump is like well over 10 light years. So it's not replicable uh, with uh, capitals. It's only a subcapital kind of jump. It's got a ton of tactical implications and it's kind of the gateway to the south. Uh, if you want to go over, you know, historical battles of head GP, uh, you know, I remember when I came into the game in 2005, you know, we were fighting over head GP with uh, Huzzah and I think it was State Empire at the time. But head uh, GP has seen a, a myriad of cap battles and, you know, um, just strategic battles, solve battles, et cetera, AAA to you name it. Uh, right before battle BR attack, there was the... Uh, the massive cap battle in head GP that was kind of the precursor to uh, BR tech. And uh, now, we're, you know, we're trying to control it to uh, maintain our uh, flow of material and assets in the South. Did you want to add to that, uh, Yintan? Uh, I was just going to note that 
one of the main tactical reasons as opposed to just strategic reasons why a fight occurred there uh, was due to the fact that NC Dot was using it as uh, a basis for their bridging into other fights in the south. They were able to go from Gehi, which is their current staging, uh, through Kaburz to um, PEGP, where they had a Poz uh, and a Titan and were able to bridge from there onto anywhere they felt they needed to be in the south in order to third party along with PL. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But first, the, the head GP is, uh, as Vili was saying, it's a historic system that people have fought over for a long time and for various reasons, which he just ticked off like five reasons. It also, was it one of the original stations too, or was that, um, did no. it not have a station? Okay. It was one of the very first, uh, I think it was one of the earlier outposts, but not one of like the early, early ones. Uh, but in the old system of uh, tower control, uh, Sov, uh, it's a seven moon system, which is extremely relevant, meaning it doesn't cost, you know, 40 large towers worth of uh, fuel to, you know, secure your Sov. So it was mm -hmm. highly relevant in that uh, mechanic. In other words, you could take it over relatively easy. Well, uh, quite the opposite, actually. You could defensively protect it quite easily. You know, you moonlock mm -hmm. GP with all seven large towers. The enemy has to come in, kill your towers one by one to take the Sov over versus... They just start spamming large towers in your space kind of thing. Yeah, and it also, uh, back in oh, the I days see. of static complexes, it also had a static, one of the few in the game of a static 10 out of 10, so you could farm it for a lot of money. Uh, and in fact, I know at one point AAA had a ruling where only leadership could use that static 10 out of 10, which led to wow. fun times. And so it was, it was, a, it was yeah. royal, Edgy, huh? Uh, there was another one, I believe, but I, I'm pretty sure HeadGP was the one with the static 10-10. I just like that idea of uh, AAA leadership carving out a little, uh, you know, royal hunting ground for themselves. That's horrible. Well, I completely disagree <laughs> with that approach. To, to, to be fair, it's not like they weren't doing that as of eight months ago in like Stain and Esoteria, etc. So it, it's saying that, you know... That tradition <laughs> continues. Well, they were farming the, uh, what is it, J6QB or the system right next to the entrance to Stain where it's got a static plex. You know, that was the AAA farm zone uh, right up until, you know, we, we conquered them this January. Oh, so. interesting. Well, let's actually go back a little bit uh, again before this battle that we're going to talk about. What's the setup here? Like you guys have come into this area coming down from the north. Can you take us back and just kind of uh, kind of set up the situation that we're in now? Okie dokie. Um, so bzz, reverse time mode. Uh, you know, we're, <laughs> we're escaping Vale uh, from the persecution of uh, the mighty Pandemic Legion and Northern Coalition dot forces. Um, they hadn't really made any uh, moves to start invading us yet, but uh, how do I put this? Pandemic Legion moved in next door, which uh, basically means that living next door is not really an option. So we had bailed down south to uh, begin an invasion of the South uh, pretty promptly, actually. Uh, we took two weeks to move to Curse, then we pushed through Catch, and, you know, there was most of the quote-unquote winter war was fought over 10 to 15 days there, at which point um, Goonswarm kind of uh, let up on their support of Stainwagon a little bit, and Stainwagon, which wasn't much to begin with, basically started crumbling. Uh, all of their smaller alliances, you know, didn't do well. Uh, we pushed through Impasse, Esteria, Paragonsol in pretty short order, although we're quite literally still cleaning up 
uh, random citadels and moons and shit that we, we've missed, you know, just because they've been in this area for five to six years and nobody's truly purged them. And uh, then we proceeded to continue doing that. Um, up, uh, about a month ago, we were in 9RQ, which is in the middle of Stain, basically, further kind of applying the boot to the neck of Stain Wagon, trying to force them out. And just as of about a week ago, we've pushed back up to catch from Esoteria to uh, just provide a little more control and coverage of the region after a couple incidents with PLNNC.com kind of making us go, okay, we need to be a little more active and proactive in this area to keep uh, things under control kind of thing. Yeah, I'm from NC and I know we've been making raids uh, into that area. As Jintan was saying, we use that as our jump point because uh, essentially it's it's the first system that takes you into that region. And so from that single point, you can jump into the region at different places and make different raids on the area. Even though our headquarters is a few jumps away, that one system is critical because we can't jump in from our staging system. And you so, can the Titans in ISAC. Well, yeah, among other things. You can put them in low sec, but, uh, but still you couldn't make the light year jump uh, from back there. So people understand it was a very strategic point. So uh, that tower, um, do you want to explain what happened during this fight, this huge fight that happened? Uh, first, let's say that big fight uh, that happened just the other day, it was on the 1st, um, cost over $500 billion, uh, in damages to both sides, um, with most of that being in CPL, uh, I think over $300 billion. And um, yeah, involved like about 310 to 180 right now, roughly. Um, mm-hmm. mo- most of that kind of swing is when you kind of push the the when one side has to clear off the field or one side has to kind of give ground, I guess you could say, in large fights like that. Yeah, it's usually when you start to really win those ISK numbers because that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. You mean uh, the the retreat, they end up losing a lot of ships. Not just that, but they also end up being able to just kill off all the pods. Like if you if you didn't notice, there were a lot of uh, slate, you know, mid grade slaves and things like that. So picking up those kills right at the end of the fight is something uh, people who are losing will not be able to do. Hmm. Well, a good example is you know when you're in those kind of fights and you realize you've lost, you kind of you stop reinforcing, right? You you say, okay, the fight's over, we're going to lose. You stop bringing in more assets, and so those last 15, 20, 30 capitals they very quickly go below critical mass where they can kill enemy capitals. And so they're effectively dying without the ability to fight back in, in a way. Certainly they're going to do their best to shoot. And, oh, I see. So they a couple guys, but for the most part, they, those guys have no real way to uh, counteract their own losses. Unlike earlier in the fight where we, we were effectively pretty well trading one for one. I see what you mean. Well, that's why on. in large uh, super cap battles, uh, especially, or a- any type of large capital battles, it's you, like there, there's effectively almost no way to extract once you begin. You, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's part of the problem of EVE is that almost every capital battle is a fight to the death in many regards. Because if you create a situation where, you know, I drop dreads and you drop dreads, well, you know, nine times I've tried 10 dreads aren't going anywhere anyways, but... You know, when you have super capital assets, et cetera, you know, th- there's just so many bubbles and time dilation creates kind of this sludge where, you know, I can die in a dictor, you know, get potted, get back into system before my old, you know, dictor bubble is even halfway dead expired, right? Like, so it just becomes almost impossible to uh, untackle, you know, capitals once they're, uh, yeah. So once you commit, it's you, you've committed. Right. And, and that's why I thought the, um, the battle where NC jumped on, 
CO2 with their 10 Titans out, and uh, they were able to get like half of those out. I thought that was a big deal. This was right after uh, the yeah, SH-1 command destroyers. Yeah, we, yeah, well, what happened in that fight was about an hour before that, you know, they got those Titans out, uh, myself and I'm not sure who was the CO2 FC at the time, probably GigX. But uh, we basically just switched to an all-dictor overview and shot nothing but dictors for almost an hour. And, huh. uh, you know, you, you, you can, there's, you know, they're pulling dictors out of Titans, they're pulling dictors in from new systems and so on and so forth. And we managed to get all the supercares out because of the way um, dictor bubble coverage works in large fights like that, where it becomes a percentile situation, not so much a, a targeted situation. Because Titan, like, when an enemy drops a dictor bubble, you know, if any part of that dictor bubble touches the Titan, the Titan can't warp, right? That's uh, basically how the mechanic works. Um, but because Titans are so large, it becomes a, a percentage, percentile coverage thing where if, if I drop a dictor bubble and it touches three Titans, then those three Titans can't work, but everything else can work. But since the supercarrier models are so much smaller, that it ensures that the supercarriers have a really good shot at getting out because it's a lot easier for them to... Uh, to do that and by the end the only reason we lost uh, the three or four remaining titans at the very end is because they were all war scrambled by like a hundred proteases each so there was no way to oh. clear the bubbles off them um but but that was at least an hour or two of just pure anti-dictor coverage um in yeah 10 percent tie-dye mind you which is yeah that to me was the real story that got passed up with you know it was a big victory in s1 or whatever sv1 and I thought, oh, I think the bigger story is how you actually got the supers out of a situation like that. And I think it was the beginning of the new uh, tactical destroyer or the uh, command destroyer that could. Oh, uh, yeah. We were bombing bubbles and booshing bubbles and yeah. doing everything we could to get them out of there. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty actually, cool. That was an interesting part of this fight for me uh, because it's actually my first time uh, attempting to be a bomber FC. I was pretty shit at it. Um, okay, now but... we're talking about head GP, right? Yeah, and I okay. damn near, I ac nearly accidentally bombed off a ton of bubbles. Just managed to stop my, stop it for at the last moment. Oh, you would have freed us. <laughs> yeah. All right. At, at the very end, or yeah, or... yeah. Dur during the end of the fight, people were lining up for a bomb run, and I was like, "No bombers, please do not bomb us. Please do not <laughs> bomb us." Oh, uh, Christ! All right, let, let let's go back to head GP now. We were talking about SV one and how uh, once you put in a, a super fleet, it's hard to get it out, and that was kind of an exception. Um, but now let's go back to head GP and what happened during this battle. That uh, how did it start and what was it over and all that? Well, that was a reinforced uh, head GP POS that NC dot owned that they'd been using as their uh, primary staging point for uh, Titan bridges. So the day before that, there'd been some uh, PL SOV that we had uh, formed up to kill. And NC Don PL didn't form, so we went out and reinforced uh, PLR 64 and that moon. So this was the timer for that. And uh, we all showed up. They all showed up. So there was, you know, 215 man worth of Macario fleet uh, split into, I think. Probably. I don't know for sure, but I assume they were split into. Um, with eight or nine apostles uh, out and waiting. And we knew those were there. And we also knew, you know, that there was a significant number of caps that had been moved into position as well since we'd watched them uh, slow boat away from uh, Jamunda. Uh, I actually, I hadn't, uh, for some reason, I'd not thought of waffles at the time, but once we saw them in Jamunda, we're like, oh yeah, waffles too. Uh, so they sat there and waited. We got in the system. Uh, we had some issues with Sinos, but uh, everything went fine. Uh, 
got ourselves on grid at range, got ourselves nice and loaded, CO2, test, AFCON, Brave, everybody got themselves uh, sorted. And then we just kind of warped down and went at zero. We uh, dropped caps immediately just to uh, prevent any hesitation or issues. And if NC dot or PL wasn't ready with their dreadnoughts, it'd give us an even larger window uh, to do damage with that force. And we took the fight and uh, kind of just went into it kind of head on. There, unfortunately, there you lose a lot of the uh, ability to strategically uh, affect the battle space in those in those kind of fights when it's effectively two guys standing in the center of a ring and just throwing heavy punches at each other. Yeah, and you can read uh, this in in really good descriptive form on Imperium News. Uh, there's an article by Billy uh, that reads like um, you know the old timey uh, battle reports that we used to love. That's just really fast, great pacing, great story. Uh, so you can check it out there. Now I, I didn't know this, but was the um, NC pause is still is it still there or was it destroyed? <laughs> uh, well, in sort of our uh, how do I put this blood uh, blood drunk uh, victory, I guess you could say. <laughs> Yeah. Um, logistics concerns stopped being uh, as heavy as they should, and uh, we we failed to anchor a new pause on the uh, on the moon after we killed it. So NC dot uh, ninja one down a couple hours later, and we were all just. But isn't know, that what, isn't that what everybody wants though? I mean, yeah, you know, because it, now it's another reason to you know, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. No, you're 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 totally right. Like you know, you have those kind of fights, and you're like, it's the kind of fights people play Eve. To do you know it's it's the kind of fights where you know this is why you know i want to play eve this is why you know pl and nc dot members want to play eve like everybody had for the most part a pretty good time like it wasn't one of those fights where it was totally one-sided and one side is super butt hurt and everybody's like this fucking shit you know it, it was a good fight the tie day was manageable it wasn't 10 percent for 10 hours um it was a good fight so yeah everybody was kind of happy with that the way those kind of fights go and, and that yeah, let's be clear it, it, i i would prefer if we would have put up a new tower and secured the tactical objective as we had intended but <laughs> you know <laughs> after like three or four hours of battle you're exhausted you're like i'm not gonna you know and then somebody drops the ball somewhere and it doesn't get done and they're like whatever we had a good time yeah interesting i saw a lot of comments uh from people saying wow i just joined test or i just joined brave and this is amazing this is what i read about and that kind of stuff so went over well with new recruits yeah and it's unfortunate i know in test even um once we got pushing towards the capital and super capital elements of the fight we we even we lost a lot of focus on our our, our sub capital uh, elements and that was unfortunate but just part of the process of learning to deal with these large fights again as after a while you you i don't want to say you get rusty but there's a hundred little elements to these fights that are often um neglected in some way or another and i I know i certainly and test certainly made some mistakes in terms of how we managed uh, certain components of our membership and fleet uh, during that battle i think you might have lost a bit more subcaps than you needed to but yeah you won the won the cap fight and that was most important so were you there too? Uh, I was not there on grid. Uh, we had uh, our friends from SV Kender was there with a uh, Nightmare Fleet to put pressure on uh, uh, NC and uh, PL, their Lodgy, to make it a bit harder for them to shoot things. And um, we had a timer ourselves pretty close after that to kill an uh, Citadel in Gehi. But when 
Tess decided to drop supers. We formed a D3 fleet, tackle fit, to go there and try to hold things down. Uh, we couldn't get there fast enough because uh, NC and PL were extracting too fast for us to get there in time. But uh, we got a condensation price. Uh, uh, we uh, jumped on dust and killed some macarials, etc. when they uh, uh, gated into Gehi. So we got some kills out of that and then got our objective by killing the uh, NC Citadel that was there. So we did pretty okay. What's interesting is um, you had the Phoenix uh, Coalition, right? Which I believe is FCON and Triumvirate, but they kind of split up for this one, it looks like. So what you have in the Southeast is actually two different coalitions. You have the Phoenix Federation, which is the FCON-led coalition, and then you have the Vanguard Coalition, which is, I guess, a higher-level coalition, uh, which is uh, both Tri and, I assume, FCON to a degree are members of uh, I could be wrong, and FCON might not be part of the Vanguard, but uh, they've always been extremely friendly to each other. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time, Try, uh, you know, takes the side where they think they're going to be able to, you know, get the most kills and do the best for for themselves, kind of that. And you know, they, they chose a fight where, you know, they showed up in Tengus, and nobody has time to deal with some random fucking Tengus in, in the middle of a, a ball, brawl that side. So, you know, they show up, they third party, and they just get to kind of free fire and whatever they want. And I, I mean, it worked for them, you know. Yeah, but Pravi was Pravi came in on a certain side, Jintan, or uh, yeah, Pravi came in uh, in support of Legacy. They've been helping us out recently, and most of the time zones worked great for us. We committed what everything we had at the time, hmm. and almost too much, right? Because you almost cleared out their tackle. Yeah. Well, we by the time people realized that it was going to be a really big fight, you know, people just started bringing as as much as they could, so they could whore on as much as they could. Uh, because, you know, that's the mentality of a lot of players. They want to just get on those kills. So people want yeah. to just, you know, bomb their capital so I can get on all of those capital kill amounts because, oh, God, the ISK. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to had to tell them to not do that and convince them not to. Um, but, yeah, we dropped some dreads too, like 10. It's not much, but, hey, we oh, do actually up. have caps, you know? Surprise to some people, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh my God, we have caps. Yeah, the when the big takeaway, <laughs> the big takeaway um, is was I mean if you look at it f- uh, from further away, this is NC and PL kind of getting out escalated. Uh, when CO two supers came in, it's there was no real answer to that, and that was a, that was an interesting test contrast. Supers, test supers, you mean? I hope. I'm sorry. I thought they were CO two supers. No, they were test. Oh, sorry, test supers. <laughs> and. And test supers, that's exactly what they moved to the south to do, is to build these super capital ships that they could kind of um, deploy in this way. Yeah, well, I mean, um, NC and PL have left their big toys at home. Um, you know, they're not here in overwhelming force because if they bring um, their super capital assets down, it becomes overwhelming force whether they intended or to be or not. And it kind of dries up all the fights rather quickly, right? This wouldn't have even happened. If, uh, you know, NCPL had super capital assets in the uh, region. Well, the initial fight might have. Whether or not you no. chose to drop heavy stuff might have, probably wouldn't. No. we. Oh. I'm not going to fight Macarials with fucking triage without any way to, you know, counter-escalate at all. Well, you, well okay, yeah. I, yeah I, guess, I guess what I mean is, like, you know, you, you could still have sub-cap fights, you know, but 
but yeah, the threat of a PL super escalation. Well, well no, you, you don't even get subcap fights because I, I've tried this many times with PL. Like, uh, unfortunately, PLs kind of go like PL generally fights in numbered, right? Because there are smaller lines with heavier assets. So, and, and I generally fight with numbers on my side because I've got a significant pilot disadvantage and um, like, uh, I don't want to say skill point disadvantage, but uh, comp composition disadvantage, et cetera. So, PL's general go-to answer is, uh, in a lot of cases, capital escalation, right? If, you know, I've, if you know they have a 150-man Macario fleet, uh, that's going to be backed in, usual, in usuality by Hodreds and Triage. And uh, let's say if I bring a 200-man Maelstrom fleet, if I don't have a way to deal with those Hodreds and Apostles, then I'm going to get absolutely decimated, Right. That, that that's you know hodreds just tear materials apart or maelstroms apart and uh apostles if there's any level of tie they make it extremely hard to kill materials so if i don't have a plan to kill those capitals then i'm I, i'm de facto losing the fight and if i do have a plan to kill the apostles well pl is going to be like well we don't want to just let you win this fight so the escalation chain spawns up and up and up out of control almost naturally right it's not something where people are like yeah i feel like i want to lose this fight i'm not going to escalate you know people make that especially when plnc dot have the cards so freely available right if you know you have 50 facts and you know you have 100 supers and nobody can match you the escalation tree is entirely open to you for free so why would you not take that chart right and, yeah, and, and as the, such and the members want that too like they're waiting to use those things so you have yeah. to kind of satisfy them so it's it's much like what you saw in Vale, like where Tess just left, right? There's no point in trying to fight when, like, because I remember we had a fight against I think it was Pandemic Legion in nine zero zero. It was a jumper system. We had it sino jammed early, but they would cleared the jammer, etc. Anyways, and we caught PL moderately out of position, you know, with supers. We had a good Titan bump. We we could make at we could in theory have done something, but. We're watching staging systems and NC Dot's already got 20 or 30 more supers ready to go and another 20 or 30 facts. And it's like, there's just no path here where even when our enemy makes mistakes or gets some bad luck with bumps, et cetera, where we have any options. So that, that that's a component of why you just can't take those fights, unfortunately. All right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but the, pro- the problem on the PLNC side is, if, is that if, if, they, if they're not going to drop those things, right, then they are also kind of limited just based on numbers i mean you know the, the, yes absolutely they're not huge organizations no well, no absolutely absolutely um it, it's just kind of the unfortunate uh the way it kind of spins right one group like <laughs> the 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 great desire or the great uh hope would be that PLNSC dot were like 30 to 40 percent weaker in super capital strength and then the field would be a little equal or, or like there would be an opportunity for the field to be a little more equal maybe. But as it is like when, when you combine those two, uh, unless you've got like Imperium plus everyone else, there, there's almost no fucking, there, there's no, there's no hope. <laughs> I guess you could say uh, there's no equals, I guess. Um, Apple, did you want to get in this? Yeah, you know, you saw the same what happened in uh, with Innet in uh, st- uh, in Syndicate. Uh, we came there once down with a shitload of carriers and pretty much uh, won a fight there. And then NC took down supers. Yeah, there's no way we ha- there are enough supers from us in range to deal with that. So yeah, then you're not going to take fights. And then it's done. 
and that's that's pretty much how how that goes and uh i think uh ncpl have now at this moment uh, feeling the other end of the stick uh and that's fun to see and uh, to play with right so um that was a good fight it looked like a lot of people had a lot of fun test uh, was celebrating so much they forgot to actually secure the <laughs> the goal um but that's okay because it may generate uh, yet another fight in head gp a historic site where a lot of battles have taken place over the years so that's cool anybody else got anything on this or the war in the south do we know like how it's shaping up yet do we know which sides are which or is it still kind of it's an not amorphous really a war so no. much as just you know an incursion i guess it'd probably be the best way to describe it i guess yeah plnc dot aren't taking this shit serious they're, they're down they're here for fun they're just they're keeping know, themselves entertained before the yeah. at season they're looking for shit to do and they're finding shit to do because that's what they do right yeah, we're going to see stuff heat up maybe in the autumn or 30, 40 days before the action December or whenever uh, the changes are coming out for stations. Yeah, the station uh, sprint or whatever it is, your gold rush, as you call it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> as it currently stands, my understanding is that the the current old stations are going to be converted to Fortisars with just a special rig, right? Well, no, they're going to be faction Fortisars. They're going to be completely unique and have unique bonuses and stats and all that. Yeah, but the bonuses they get are less than what you have if you have a specific EC for it or fit for it with normal rig. So it has a lot of different bonuses, but less value. So I don't yeah, see them the, the, getting used as, that much. As Fozzie has said, though, they're going to be hard, they're going to be significantly harder to kill than um, non-faction Fortisars. So you're going to be looking at them being defensive install installations. I think people are consistently being sidetracked by these whole old production and research bonuses that don't really mean anything. They're just Do we have hard stats on that yet? Or no, is this no, just... Okay, this, so this is like... Specific this, this is stuff you've seen on CSM but are, can't really tell us about, but you'd kind of know. kind of. No, no, no. He specifically said this in the presentation. He said they're going to be stronger oh, and be better. So Fozzie said something, but there's no hard stats behind it. There's no hard stats for it. So there's... Wait, did you just say... Are you implying that I was going to live leak from the CSM? No, I was more so implying that if Fozzie says something, doesn't mean it's guaranteed to happen. I was promised fucking shield slaves. What, 14 <laughs> months ago now? 15 months ago? Thank we welcome Lee. Yeah. here. Jesus Christ. Can you still tell us how much Zidrine you bought? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. I bought all of the Zidrine because, as you all know, I just love the green. We here at TIS appreciate leaks. We try to get them out of people all the time. All right. So it, that's interesting because it sounds like there's maybe not as much enthusiasm for what we presume is going to be a huge fight later on this fall or early next year over capturing stations before they transition. After the transition, they become extremely valuable, it's assumed. Um, Loose the Fozzy Claws of death. <laughs> but... Uh, but it sounds like maybe some of these FCs are looking at it saying, well, maybe it's not worth it. Definitely not worth mobilizing. Yeah, all it's our not worth it. It's not worth it until, uh, the day, uh, until the day that it is. And then we're all going to go and get those collector's items. But until those stats know. come out. As, as much as I have a full respect for Peel's ability to do things every once in a while, I don't think you guys have any appreciation for just how much fun grinding through Fozzysoft timers against two to 800 people opposing you can be. I don't think you have any appreciation for it just yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's the best design system we've ever seen. We shall see. All right. Um, 
So this is, uh, thanks very much, Vili. That Again, that battle report on uh, Imperium News is worth reading. And uh, we're happy that he put it on Imperium News. So I want to actually bring that up because if you're an FC or somebody that is uh, somebody that people listen to and you want to submit to uh, uh, Imperium News, or if you're not somebody as famous as Vili, we do pay submissions now. Uh, we used to just pay staff, but now we pay submissions one per month, get 500 million for an article. More than anything else, it's the exposure if you're an FC and you want to get a battle report out there. All right. The other thing that happened, and this happened just a few minutes ago, is the second Satio was killed. And these are these giant engineering complexes from non-player characters, uh, the Blood Raiders. And so they have this place where they build their super capitals that come under attack. One of, the, one of those was killed a few weeks ago, the very first one. And just a few minutes ago, the second one was killed. Uh, Apple Bear, Apple Pear, you were there, right? Uh, yes, I was uh, one of the C's uh, dealing with that, yeah. Killed the same way as last time? Uh, we killed it with uh, pretty much the same way. We had some other types of ships now also, some uh, with, more, with T2 guns, etc. So it has some extra DPS. It did go a bit faster. And we were uh, chasing tests all around the grid and killing their bombers and interceptors just make it and, uh, bit uh, worse time for them to try to take everything but yeah yeah uh so it didn't sound like you're very happy about it oh uh, no no this uh we pretty much spent 10 hours to finding this stupid thing and then spent two hours three hours to reinforce it another two hours to kill it and nothing dropped so yeah who's going to defend those things with uh, all those irritating interceptors trying to loot your stuff uh, anyway, and then you don't get even after so many hours do, doing the work for it, get anything back for it. So yeah, I'm uh, pretty much like fuck that thing, and uh, I'm not going to run it anymore. This, well, sounds, this sounds very similar to your uh, to your interview on the O7 show the other day. <laughs> Actually, it sounds <laughs> completely the reverse of that. It was if if it dropped, I would have been okay with it if it just dropped like an, an threat or an or a fax. If it dropped anything. But if it doesn't drop anything of value, then yeah. And I still had some refreshment with uh, the red cycling that you had to deal with that and the fact that the loot mechanic is not ideal. But I had to hope they would do something about it soon. But yeah, this is just uh, such a uh, slap in the face for like uh, you spend so much time with uh, all of your players and you don't get even anything back for it. That's not even covering the fact that you have to do it with fucking frigates. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much because if you bring materials, at least the last time we did that, those damn things cannot keep up because they're rat cycling. So you lose the damage application to the damn thing. And uh, you lose a shitload of materials because of the rats they are there who are killing you and you, yeah, you cannot save them all. So the, the way to do it pretty much is uh, interceptors or do it like the Russians uh, balls deep with a few... Uh, what, they used a few supers around it. These four uh, supers, yeah. Uh, that, that, that are the two ways they, they do it. No, yeah. And then, yeah, this I'm uh, maybe things calm down a bit, but at the moment I'm pretty pissed and not looking forward to doing those things again. What? Why are there no bounties? Because people would be farm able to, the bounties. Yeah, yeah, you'd just be able to hilariously exploit it. For example, with your. Uh, I, with, with bombers, if you just sit there and bomb them for a while. Just, I, I understand they don't do bounties at the ships that you kill but at least give the satio if you kill the satio like you kill the 
mom in an incursion thing a bounty that everybody gets like 25 million or something like that who is there that it at least is worth something for them to do it and then you can get a bonus towards it but at the moment if nothing drops and or people or the loot mechanics are abused because you can just sit there with an interceptor warp in and try to take it away from you yeah that's not worth it. so you really get nothing right i mean that's just yeah. the nothing, expectation nothing. That you might yeah so now you have to uh well you figured out how to defeat it but uh defeat it with a lot of people because you need a lot of people to do this uh all those people get nothing uh and you have the possibility of your own uh alliance not getting anything if somebody steals it out from under you which people are poised to do which is why the russians didn't finish it off because they didn't want somebody else to go in there and steal it and they couldn't with just a few super capital ships defeating um the satoyo they put couldn't possibly loot in those ships. Uh, we had we had we had three hundred fifty people on the Shatiu at zero at the moment it got killed and tests were still warping in and others were still warping in. So the chance of us not getting it was not that big uh at this moment because we were pretty okay at killing all those interceptors and everybody or else to keep them at the nose not being able to sit there. But mm-hmm. yeah. So and we had a video of it, etc. And nobody saw any loot of it. So we're pretty much sh- sure nothing uh, dropped. Uh, it cannot be a hundred percent, but for ninety-nine point nine nine percent, I'm sure nothing dropped. So yeah. So we may see, like uh, in a few days, after somebody gets to safety with that vital blueprint, that hey, I did steal it from my, under your noses. I think, I think somebody would have smacked it up already because, yeah, that's especially if it was somebody from Test or uh, NCPL, they would have smacked it up just to uh, get it in yeah. the face. Yeah, nobody from Test got it that I'm aware of. And, like, just because of the loot uh, logging mechanics, you know, anybody in Fleet that gets it, you're going to be able to see pretty quick, right? Yeah. No, I, nobody I just, thinks yeah. they're going to be the person to get it and drop Fleet that second, right? You don't have that uh, time window to do it, so. No. So uh, you two guys that run these would run these kind of things because your fleet commanders are three or, you know, okay, Dirk, I'll throw you in there. <laughs> um, you guys, uh, what would happen if somebody did get that blueprint? Who's that go to and how's that get distributed among everyone else? Uh, at the moment, uh, what I know with us in the, uh, in the Imperium is uh, we don't have enough data for it yet to make a specific plan for it. Uh, yeah. So at at the moment, what the plan is, is it goes to finance and that uh, pays it out to all the coalition members, uh, a part of that, and uh, use it for SRP or other things, etc. And there are plans if we would run it a lot and it would be worth running it a lot, that we would find a system that people could either be able to buy the thing easier or get a payout for it. Uh, that, 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 but for the rest, we have to see how it goes. At the moment, uh, I don't think it's worth running them. So, yeah. Well, we um, as trust. someone who uh, I, I, I uh, sorted the sale of the first uh, Revenant PPC off the first uh, incursion. Oh, wow. Uh, Didn't know that. Built the first Revenant, too. First person to ever sit in a Revenant. That's me. Wow. I sold it, though. So, yeah, we got the first BPO or BPC off of an incursion. But what we did with that is we just, uh, I basically, I took the BPC, I put it on the forums, and, you know, we sold it, and then I split it. 80 ways, I think, which was 512 mil a person at the time. Ah, oh, very, uh, je- very, uh, what's the word? I know you have high morals. Yeah. You were saying, Carneros, that you guys, yeah. uh, 
in in the Imperium, we have enough co uh, confidence and trust in uh, upper upper leadership and our relationships with each other that we can just give the BPCs to the finance group for a while, let them collect some up and come up with a plan, and it'll be a good plan. Right, but it, but does it become something where uh, basically all the people that are in that fleet are doing it for the good of the alliance, the good of the coalition? Therefore, you know the ISK is going to you know the ISK is for the alliance, or is there somehow some trickle down thing at some point? And then you know how would you do that when you're talking a couple hundred people that are involved over the course of a few days? Yeah, well, that's. I think you underestimate how good our record keeping is in the background. Um, we have a we have a participation stats for every scanning fleet to find the thing, for each reinforcement fleet, for each of the fleets that came on grid um, for uh, during the fight, for the ones that were blocking interceptors, for all of them. The only place we're weak is out of alliance uh, scouting alts that might be placed in various places helping. They're contributing too, but we don't track them as well. But literally everyone else, we can tell what they did. And if... We could well, I think, Arith I think Arith answered. I, I think he said fifty-fifty. So it looks like it looks like in the case of this, um, um, you know, if it, you know, if the thing were to actually drop something, um, that eventually there would be a fifty-fifty kind of split thing. But this, this but the is like is, the okay. thing is, Arith is the guy who thinks of the, the, those things and has a good idea. So, yeah, <laughs> we will find a plan for it and to trickle it down at least some and uh, finance. Uh, was already looking into how to do it, so but we first have to make it worth running them. Yeah, and and you guys are also looking at how to stop people from uh, grabbing it uh, after you guys defeat it, right? I remember that uh, that's what Aerith said when he was on the show a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that's that seems like it's workable by groups like yours uh, that are built. Uh, you know, they're large groups that can do this, uh, and you guys have kind of been you know, around the block a few times, but what about the smaller groups or the groups that have a lot more pointy, uh, leadership at the top? Like, um, uh, I don't know, any medium size, uh, Alliance, like, I, I wonder how they're going to divide up that effort. Cause if it's only going to be goons or tests that can do this, that's not going to work. Well, but, to be fair, the, these, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Uh, uh, pirate incursions or whatever are only really going to happen in what six locations possible. The Venal Garist is one, which will get farmed by some NCPL subordinate or through that kind of chain. Uh, you've got Syndicate, which will probably be easily farmable by Init or Horde or someone. Um, the one in Curse, I'm sure, will be for Angels, would be an interesting uh, dynamic, uh, but you've got Try there, you've got PL there right now, but I'm sure Alliances from Catch would put you over. Uh, the, the reward is very far above uh, the organizational challenge of pulling it off, so I, I don't see the, the ability to run the sites as being the limiting factor, so much as it is the issues with loot mechanics and uh, drawing in hostile forces when you try to uh, farm the site successfully would be the biggest issues well it's it's not the taking it on or defeating it that's the problem anymore it's more it's not a problem but the the challenge it's it's more the all or nothing it's a single point of payment or nothing yeah uh, but but with those re like situations like let, let's say you know if horde does it you know horde is going to pass it up to their leadership and you know they will make a decision uh pandemic legion nc dot like any like even as a game built on trust 
you join an alliance, you're you're joining that alliance with uh, you're handing your trust over. And I have absolutely zero doubt that there are people within Horde and PL and Test and Goons and all all those people where if they were the one that got the 150 billion blueprint, they'd be dropping alliance and they'd be at the door the next day. I don't. <laughs> I I have no doubt there are those people in every alliance, but the vast majority of people want to be part of the collective, want to be part of the the hive or the the group, and they're not going to sacrifice you know their group identity just for a quick pack, quick cash out. And so, so what you have is most of those groups will have no problem getting the blueprint passed up and then uh, hopefully passing it down to their membership. Well, and, and you're the guy with the experience because you got the first uh, Revenant and rode in it. For, you rode in the little caddy for a while, the Cadillac, and then you sold it off and split up the uh, the gains. Yeah, and it's it's kind of unfortunate too because I think we, we ran – seven low sec incursions before we got the BPC or maybe we got it on the first one and then we get, did get another one for this for next seven. I can't remember how it was, but I think mm-hmm. we did the first nine low sec incursions. We only got one BPC. And at the time I could not find a buyer for that shit. Like I just could not find a buyer. And I sold it for like 40 bill after like two different forum threads up for like weeks on end. And then like two months later, like apparently people, you know, they changed the jump, they buffed it or something. I can't remember what they did, but all of a sudden everybody wanted it. The shit was worth 200 bill, like two months later. And I was like, fuck. I think they, didn't they augment its um, jump range by one system or something by one light year? Something like that. Yeah. They did something weird. that made it a little different than a normal uh, super cap. I'm trying, I'm remembering something about them reducing all the rest of the super caps jump range and forgetting to do the, the that one. So it, maintained a slight edge for a while yeah and I, funny thing is I, I throw in a full uh fighter bay worth of shadows at the time too and i'm like fuck think of all the dumb shit i did back then <laughs> uh all right so another thing that's going on in um inn land is that we've created this mining guide and we're going to talk about the mining changes that just came up to the roracle because this uh, a lot of people are kind of talking about those changes and how it's slowing down the uh acquisition of minerals but first, I want to introduce uh, Izzy, which is Azalius, is it? What's your actual name? Izalis. Izalis, yeah. And you were one of the principal writers of the EVE Mining Guide for INN. Uh, can you tell us about that guide and the process of making it? Yes, the guide is our attempt to have a comprehensive guide to help not only new players, but experienced players, and address not only the mechanics of mining, but the theory behind why you do what you do. There are sections on roar quals, there are sections on just the basic mining ships. We have information on how to survive in high sec, how to survive in null. And we intend for this to be not just a static guide, but something we change and we update. And so in the next week, we'll be going over the feedback that we've got from the mining guide that we published last week. And improving what we have, but with the changes upcoming, we will also be going through and it's been suggested that we make a, a page when the changes come out, talking about how to optimize the use of anomalies with the, the respawn timers and things like that. Is there a, uh, is there a section in that about uh, how to properly blame Fozzy? <laughs> I think that blaming Fozzy is a skill that uh, Eve players gain organically. Yeah, it takes it takes years to hone those skills. You got to train that skill. Indeed. Fuzzy! 
Ow, my fucking ears. Yeah, Seamus, don't do that again. Sorry. Everybody's got high volume on. Alright, um... Oh, and by the way, Seamus did sneak in. Seamus Donahue from Eve University, uh, who snuck in there in the middle of the show. Thank you very much for coming, Seamus, again. Um, Hello. Sorry about the eardrums. It's all right. A uh, quick introduction for you. Hello, I am Seamus Donahue of Eve University, professor of capsular studies. And professional airbreaker. Really loud Seamus today. Uh, well, I, I guess since I did it on talking stations, that kind of sort of makes me professional, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I think it's really good that uh, that um, well, who is somebody, anybody, you know, INN at this point, you know, you know, has put out uh, a mining guide. I think it's something that, especially you know, if you you know, if it's going to be updated, because obviously these things change over time. Um, but it you know, it is nice because again, you know, you've got people out there who who either come to mining late in their career or you know are new to the game and are getting involved. And you know, I mean, there's you know, I remember back with the uh, oh god, who did the uh, who did the big one before? Um, the mining guide, Halatus, Halatus, Halada, Halada. Yeah. Anyways, um, that yeah, you know, that was a great mining guide, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, but it, it didn't get updated very frequently. I think he only updated it like twice or something like that. I'm looking forward to seeing more of these guides. This is a, a great contribution. Thank you. We do have more guides planned. Um, I'm currently working on a guide on production. Called it the industry guide, but. Nice. I started calling it production, and I've been told that the mining guide topped out at around 18,000 words. The uh, production guide is currently around 15,000 and has about three and a half sections complete out of many. So it's going to be interestingly large. You write a guide or a novel? A guide-shaped novel, maybe? Well, uh, guides are incredibly... Uh detailed, right? Because you want to cover all the different uses from beginning uh, to advanced. The um, article is very popular, it turns out. Uh, so that's uh, something that actually Izzy probably doesn't know yet. And that is that the it's wildly popular. A lot of people are visiting it. And so this is a confirmation. It's a good idea to do. Well, EVE is insanely complicated, right? And even when you're used to mechanics from day one, they're constantly changing. And so, especially with the incredible influx of players we've had over the last five to 10 years who are coming through the system, you're constantly relying on guides. And uh, like, I, I had to go look up a scanning guide just to do a random frigging site the other day. And with something as complicated as mining, and the the pe type of people that are attracted to Eve are, are constantly the kind of people that want to mid max. You know, they don't want to explore and waste two months of their training time or something like that. So when you've got good, concise, clear, uh, well written guides, you're generally going to have a really high uh, amount of people who are going to be uh, interested and take a look at that material. I would think. Yeah, Eve University, we're always updating our wiki with something or other at any given point in time. Eve University is, is what I looked at when we were planning this kind of section of INN. Eve University was definitely the model. Uh, they have beautiful guides, beautiful wiki. Uh, they keep it up to date mostly. They even have uh, uh, some animation on it to kind of show how the relationship of a couple things work. All that stuff is really kind of set the bar that we're attempting to also do. I think our guides are a little more geared towards uh, talking specifically to Imperium members first, and then to the wider audience after that. But other than that, I think looking at uh, Eve University guides is 
is also a great resource. They are excellent resources. I will admit to looking at them quite a few times during writing. Um, I think one of the things that influences what we're doing is, while the guide needs to be useful for a variety of different people, um, there are lots of places you can go and find out how to do the mechanics of something. But there aren't as many places that you go to to find out why you do the mechanics. During the production guide that I'm working on right now, I am writing about how you determine what you make. Because what you make is how to make something is easy. You click a few buttons, you have the materials, it's done. But how do you choose what to make? What is going to make you profit? How do you um, determine what a profit is? What sort of profits should you look for? That sort of thing is a much more complex answer. And that is the, the goal for me personally, is to help people to understand not just the mechanics of industry, but how they work and how they intersect with how you play Eve. Yeah, so look forward to more of that. Thanks, uh, Izzy, for doing all that hard work, uh, along with many other people as well. And you'll have some updates to make soon. We will. Yes. So what are, what's up with these updates? Dirk, you probably know about this, or anybody that wants to jump into this one. There are what's going on with mining? What's going on with mining? Um, CCP recently announced that they are doing two things, basically. They are nerfing Rorqual excavator drones, both the ore and the ice ones. And Again. They are adding, um, yes, again, several times in a row, and they are adding respawn timers to anomalies, the ones you find in Sov Nullsec, and that are spawned via the, the IHUB upgrades. These will have timers now. The, the large one, the Colossal, will have a five-hour respawn timer. After it is cleared, it'll take five hours to respawn. Um, enormous will be four, and it goes down from there. Colossal five-hour, enormous four hours, large two hours, and one hour for the medium, 20 minutes for the small. This is like much like the ice timers, though if you have a colossal belt in the system, you're going to have all the others. So it won't just be the ice one ice belt or two ice belts in the system respawning. This is going to have an interesting and large impact on miners, but it is... Uh, is her mic cutting out or is yeah, she pausing? I, I can't so. tell sometimes. I'm sorry, I'm pausing. Wow. Oh, got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the two things that are going on here, right? Okay, so this is the third. This is the third nerf to excavators uh, that have happened since that the, since they were released, right? Uh, basically, I think, what, like every three months now. Uh, you know, we, we had one in January, we had one in March, I believe it was, and now we've got this next one that that appears to be imminent. Um, I mean, they're asking for feedback, but from what I understand, you know. This is happening regardless. Um, I think the combination of these two things is is overkill. I don't think that they actually need to, you know, nerf again the excavators. Um, however, I'm really wondering. I'm really wondering whether or not they even think at this point that a capital mining vessel was a smart idea. Very honestly, I don't think it ever was. Said that years ago, and have continued to say that. Um, and I think that they're actually getting to the point now where where. Basically, this is just going to be a, a uh, capital mining support vessel that can also do some mining. I think that was well, always the, I think theoretically that was the intent of the rock core with the whole industrial core just being a quote unquote bonus. Uh, I don't think CCP particularly foresaw fleets of rock cores. They didn't think uh, no, that was going to be real. They didn't think, boom. I mean, because, it, because if they didn't foresee 
fleets of super powerful mining Rorquals out there um, than they just didn't think. No, they were built long before this new dynamic. So they were built for a whole different setup. But uh, Carneros, did you want to say something? Well, think about their high level objectives on this at the moment. They're trying to keep the mineral market from unbalancing and losing value and, and falling apart. So that's a, that's a worthy goal. Uh, they are also trying to maintain uh, a fun gameplay for people who prefer to go into mining as opposed to uh, other types of, of EVE careers. We'll call it that. But if your goal is to is to reduce the amount of minerals coming into the system via nullsec workwells, um, you didn't also need to make them make the excavators themselves more vulnerable. That's an unrelated goal and a yep. side effect here. If you look at the stats right now, uh, excavators are not overpowered in any fashion in anything other than how much minerals they can bring in. They're not being exploited for PVP. They're not, they're not doing anything else wrong. Uh, if you look at the survival rate on encounter, what, what's killed, if you look at uh, the deaths of excavators over the past month everywhere and how they died, you have no reason to nerf their movement ability or any of their defenses or anything. Zero. So they're not they're not necessarily focusing their uh, adjustments as well as as I would do if if I were working on them. And then uh, and that's just the excavator nerf. If you look at the the change in uh, anomalies and the respawn rates, one of their one of their high level goals over the past couple years has been let's make population density higher in nullsec. Let's get rid of a lot of systems that are sitting around empty and have more of a feeling of activity and community because people gathered together in one place in a system that can support more life are, are going to build more community bonds. And we all know it's the relationships between each other that really makes Eve sticky. It's not the mechanics of the game. It's our, the relationships and the stuff that we can do. Agreed. And, and that is a balancing act. I mean, because that is a goal that they wanted to, you know, to put in. And a lot of people wanted to, you know, put put it in, in terms of increasing, you know, population density, how much a system can support in terms of players doing things in a single system, right? Or, or in fewer systems than they were spread over before. However, that does also reach a point where in the case of instantly respawning mining anomalies, that it, it, it maybe gets out of hand. Well, my guys are spreading out in response to what they're hearing. And the term spreading out, I believe, came out in in uh, the actual uh, post, if I'm not remembering mistakenly. Uh, that, that's not an objective CCP designers should be going for. Spreading out is not an objective. Uh, bringing in fewer minerals, bringing in minerals at a smaller rate, that's an objective. I think the current um, changes have specifically gone against the, the intent to have people concentrated, to have people living in their space. But the, the, the differences are going to be interesting because some people can't spread out. 
and some people have a limited number of systems and they have a bunch of miners piled in that system and they are going to be affected more adversely than people like GSF who are able to spread out. We have many systems that we can, can go to while small alliances that have one or two safe systems and they pile people in there are going to be very adversely affected. Renters who, who own one system, um, this is going to hurt them a lot more than it hurts people who have the ability to spread out and to defend their enlarged territory that they, they do use it. They have the, the ADMs and the upgrades and such to say that we use this space. Um, we kind of like being huddled together because, you know, this system has really great ore, it has a good position, such like that, but we do have the ability to spread out. So I think that in some ways the, um, the Anon respawn timer is targeted at people who, who gather in one system in a large amount and that is, I think it's going to not necessarily meet the goal there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I hear that. Okay, so so obviously, when you look at something like the Imperium model, right? I mean, look, they own the space that they own because they have the 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 ability to do that, and therefore they can you know exploit the resources that are there. If you're smaller and don't have the ability to spread out, or if you're a renter only renting one system, uh, maybe you need to rent another system. Maybe you need to I don't know, not have so many people piled into a single system. Uh, you have to. To own space in sovereign nullsec, you kind of have to have some ability to take and hold that space. You're not going to take it only with 500 miners in a system. Yeah, and I'd like to point out uh, Aerith uh, contributing through the chat, uh, saying that he specifically, and this is Aerith from Goonswarm as the CSM member, says, I'm specifically not providing feedback to CCP because, oh well, it dramatically helps our model, not hostels. So he's saying he's not involved in this. He's not giving feedback on it, but the changes they've made dramatically help Goonswarm and Imperium, not necessarily the people that uh, aren't them. I mean, when they make these changes, okay, related to related to uh, I don't know, trying to somehow you know temper the oversupply of, of of mineral acquisition that's going on out there, right? Number one, it should never be targeted at any one group. It should never be targeted at you know just because these people over here are doing it in such mass scale, we need to slow it down across the board or something like that. They need to be looking at it on an aggregate scale out there. And if in the end, the big group still brings in more than everybody else, that's just the way it's going to be. I had a few people in chats, etc., saying to me, oh, I'm just going to get a few extra uh, alts in rock so I can get the same amount still in there. And just, yeah, more Well, it did seem there. like a cash machine for the last few months, hasn't it? And I think that was on purpose. I think they definitely let Rorkles have its day in the sun because it had been kind of a big investment, low... Adopting the Riot Games approach to that game balance, bring something in overpowered, hope everybody buys it or in this case injects into it and then, uh, you know, nerf it into the ground and start the new new uh, next big thing. Well, this is Graf's complaint, too, that this was a money grab in that they made something very expensive to acquire. Uh, everybody acquired it and then they nerfed it. Well, yeah, as I say, that, that, that's kind of the Riot Games uh approach to uh, game balance and but he's right i mean 
I know a lot of people that injected, you know, Rorquals, bought Rorquals, bought excavators, you know, got their two or three weeks of mining out. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm getting nerfed again. What? They just nerfed, you know, Rorquals 30 or 40% or whatever it was. Like, what was it, two or a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, something like that. Like, you know, the hits just keep coming. And, uh, uh, like, listen, people aren't going to stop mining the Rorquals until Rorquals mine less than Hulks at this point, right? That's just kind of the mentality of EVE players. And to be honest, you know, the the uh, panic module and uh, the safety that provides uh, is pretty significant as well. So I, I don't know what their end game solution here is to the problem. Yes, the panic module is there, but that's also because you're sitting in this, you know, much more expensive ship. Um, if you're sitting in a Hulk, guess what? You know, you're free to work the hell out when, uh, when baddies come by. You're locked down, you know, probably in, you know, in, in, uh, uh, you know, indie mode, um, you know, when you're, when you're mining in a Oracle, so you're a bit more That's vulnerable. True. I don't know. I think... Like if, if the point is that they want to bring the Oracle down to the level where people consider flying Hulks over Oracles, it's like, holy fuck, this is going to be a, a painfully well, slow, you know, race to the bottom here. Izzy, and then uh, we'll move on. I think that... They aren't trying to bring Rourke's down to the level of Hulk's, but they may be trying to bring the isk per hour a Rourke can achieve down to maybe the level of a Redding Carrier. And also the similar density that Redding Carriers can have in a system. Um, but one of the problems with that, if that is indeed what they're doing, is that Rourke walls require a much larger investment in time and skills to get into. You're sitting in something about 8 billion on a field, it, opposed to a ratting carrier that's maybe two or three billion, and you're risking a lot more. You have the the very very susceptible um, excavator drones on the field, and even with V twos and, and such like that, it is a large investment, and being able to to lose that so quickly, even with panic and and all of that sort of thing, it's just it used to be worth it. You used to have high risk, but you also had very high reward. Now they have considerably reduced the reward, but they've increased the risk because they have nerfed the drone speed, which means that we can't recall our drones as fast and we, they, it's, they're harder to protect. And so they have not only reduced the reward, they've increased the risk. Uh, you said something there about how, you know, they want the isk of a rock horse and meet the isk of a carrier um i don't think that's entirely the thing but wouldn't it be better for example if you could get a lot of isk per hour from your rock call and then that was it you had to then move it there was a limited amount of isk that you could make i think depletion is a much more healthy mechanic than simply just raw nerfing the isk per hour that you can make on a rock call yep. um because that goes against some of like ccp's philosophy if if people can mine and make you know 300 400 isk in a couple of hours they then have a bunch of time with which they will then spend that money and that's a lot healthier than just making people mine for four hours to get that 300 400 mil an hour Indeed, you know, if you um, give them two hours of mining for that and then they have two hours to do whatever the fuck they want that's great i don't claim to do ccp's mine on this it's just they have been gradually bringing this down, and it seems to me that with discussion from other people, this may be something that they are going in the direction of. I think it is something to consider there. Yeah, I, I think just a component that isn't really being talked about is the scalability of Oracles uh, versus other means of income. 
I can rat in a supercarrier and pull it to hell and make, you know, three, 400 million an hour if I want to, but I would much rather work on mine because I can work, put three Oracles in a belt, make more money than that hell, uh, requires significantly less attention. And it's, uh, it's just a lot easier. And as you increase that rate of depletion, you do reduce the ability to scale, which is a, a point to kind of note. For, for me, I, I mine a lot also. Uh... Less with one rock hole, but still, uh, it, it, it's relaxing. Uh, I don't like to do the whole carrier reading, but at the moment, the, even carrier reading makes you more risk than rock hole mining already. You make between, depending on what you mine, 100, 150 million an hour on a rock hole, and carrier reading goes at least the same or over that. So that's, but it's indeed the scalability. People can do it with 50, 60 uh, at one point, and yeah, that makes it easier. You cannot thread with 50, 60 carriers. That's true. Well, you can, you can, like, I, you know, super carrier ratting is an exercise and like clicking a lot of fucking buttons, like a lot, you know, click, 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 like constantly for an hour, right? You can't do anything else if you're super ratting and carrier rating is not that much different. Um, but with Oracles, you know, I, like, unfortunately, you know, you, you, as you're aware in a leadership position, you know, you spend half of your time sitting on Jabber or Discord or whatever else coordinating and discussing things and such. And I can do that while I'm Oracle mining, which for me is yeah. a huge advantage because it's so low mental effort, right? Click, put things on asteroid belt, come back 10 minutes later, have somebody speak up a mumble if, you know, rats spawn in the belt. Like, yeah, that, that's the extent of what is required, right? And that's the big reason why I also Oracle mine, or at least mine. It's a, you can watch a TV show, you can do other things, and that makes it relaxing and etc. And I, I hope they don't nerve it into the that it don't make it even worse than already is after this because yeah i have to admit i don't understand grinding at all in eve because literally if i go and mow somebody's lawn for twenty dollars i've made more in in an hour than i could possibly make in two days you're setting me up matter of <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> oh don't don't get triggered not all mexicans mow lawns okay <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, is there anything else on this that you guys want to discuss? Uh, here's one thing that I, I this may or may not have been brought up, but the idea of the Roracle being designed for what it's being used for now—that's not the way the thing was introduced into the game a long time ago. It was supposed to be a dramatic centerpiece of a fleet for mining. Uh, CCP gave that back when they reconfigured it and gave it back to us, but they gave us that plus the ability of it to mine on its own for people who don't have a whole fleet of friends to mine with them at the same time every day or whatever. So it seems like they kind of painted themselves into one direction and it, it was too much because then somebody said, oh, I'll just, I'll just get 20 of these myself and totally destabilize the uh, market for minerals. Minerals, minerals market is you know, was on the floor because there was so much, so much stuff being mined. And I'm sure a lot of it wasn't even sold. I'm sure Aerith has like uh, piles and piles of it. They probably sleep on mountains of uh, minerals. Mountains of Zidrine. <laughs> yeah. So they looked at it. I'm sure they're looking at all these statistics and saying, okay, we, we let that faucet run for a while. Let's, let's turn it back. But this looks like a two pronged attack, just like um, uh, Phoebe, where they nerfed the projection of super capitals in two different ways. So it looks like they're really ratcheting down on this activity in, in a significant way because they're attacking it from two directions. 
And, and, and that is something that I wish that they would hold off on for it. I think that the introduction of, of this depletion mechanic in terms of the anomaly timers and things like that, right? Let's see how that plays out before you come down on the on the Rourke wall again. Not because I don't think that maybe, the, again, as somebody who doesn't think that a capital mining vessel should ever exist, right? I would just like to see what happens from this in terms of potentially curbing the the excess supply of minerals globally out there before they also hit the Rorqual again. There's no way to, to quantify it because they're both happening at once. So who knows what's from the, the excavator drone nerf and what's from the, the respawn timer. Yeah, that's why this looks like a hard shutoff. Like they're really clamping down on this to, to have the market uh, bounce back sooner rather than later. And by the way, it was uh, after this announcement came out, of course, uh, with a heavy restriction on mining vessels, you saw the price of mining minerals shoot up because there would be less vessels mining uh, as effectively as they were before. So that, that trend happened. If you were smart enough to realize before, like a lot of people were, that minerals were at a rock bottom price because production was so high, um, people were buying over the last month or two or longer uh, minerals, maybe slowly at a, t at a you know one at a time, but they were definitely... Um, you know, hoarding minerals, at least I was. So uh, when that price shot up, it's either a good time to unload um, or it's it's a good time to kind of sit on that stuff and wait till it, it appreciates even more. Uh, Seamus, do you have some? Yes. Uh, just to add on to Azalis's comment, um, the next time we can get CCP Quant's attention, we may want to ask him if it's possible for crowd control productions to track uh, how much mining is done by, for example, uh, excavator mining drones versus ordinary Tech 2 mining drones versus uh, strip miners versus mining lasers, so on and so forth. That might help to disentangle the effects of two simultaneous nerfs, maybe. No. I think that it is uh, well within CCP's capability to do that, given that their, their wonderful control of numbers. Um, I'd also like to make a comment that these nerfs are way ahead of, but not unseemly ahead of, the changes to moon mining. And I think it will be interesting to see how moon mining intersects with the Anom respawn timers and how all of that affects mining as a, an activity. For all we know, these changes may be actually directed towards uh, towards that, right? Like maybe they did some statistical work and figured out that, uh, wow, a guy with a fleet of oracles could go back to one or two players kind of running a moon division for an alliance or something and said, we got to nerf it even more in two different directions. Who knows? Right. Anything else on mining? Well, look for those changes. Um, somebody said that carriers were probably next because the ratting carriers are making so much money. Uh, well, you've always got people out there that are calling for, you know, you know, calling for some changes there, you know, that the, that the ISK faucets in EVE are, are, you know, just too wide open. The problem is, is that in spite of the ISK faucets being what they are, right, um, you know, re relative to sinks, um, we don't really have legitimate inflation in eve right it doesn't drive the price of minerals higher it doesn't drive the price of you know ships necessarily higher it, it does i think have an effect on 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 you know wealth storage devices like plex but it doesn't really on the other things that that you know and you know and hopefully what you see with all of these faucets and the money that is being you know maybe you know as people buying things that they then go out and get blowed up <laughs>
So this just in from uh, Rivra, our news uh, head over at INN, CCP are saying something, uh, not modules, dropped from Satoya. So something dropped? I don't know how to take that. So maybe something did drop, but it wasn't modules. Maybe it was uh, something else. So uh, they're we'll saying a blueprint dropped for uh, something. Something, something, but they're not, not saying a blueprint. And uh, CTL modules, they said, and that's incorrect. So there may be other things uh, dropped. But I don't know. It's still, it's still not something that feels like doing, because if it's so easy to grab that stuff and not give it to get it to the people who have it, then it's not, no. If you run it and it demotivates everyone from wanting to run it again, it's a bad design. Really? Agreed. I, don't know. I was just going to say that, you know, if there, there's always those people within these alliances that will uh, gladly, uh, you know, drop fleet and try and uh, take the payday for themselves. So if a Moloch BPC ends up on uh, the forums in a week or two, we'll know where it came from. Uh, just nobody uh, will know who it did because apparently whoever it was is uh, pretty sharp keeping, about it, I guess. Keeping so, quiet. Apparently, we got a $20 donation from uh, Gredden. He said, I really what? enjoyed watching Talking in Stations. Thanks. So now yes. Matterall doesn't have to go mow that lawn. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> that, <laughs> that donation is bigger than all our donations for a year and a half combined. Wow. Thank you, whoever that was. Uh, and thanks for catching that. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, thanks to Seabass for uh, pointing it out in the channel. Yeah, great. So no no uh, lawn mowing for me for today. <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, wrap up with a little bit of news real quick. I'm just going to run through these because you can find them on EVE Updates. Um, and that is the Rogue Drones uh, event that's coming up. It looks like it's a, an event of the, um, I guess there's other types where they have like a two-week time period where certain things can be fought and you can get certain loots and stuff. Okay, UI accessibility, uh, color blindness uh, issues are being addressed by with the UI. Very interesting there. And we have new skins for Macarial and new ship designs for the Vexer and uh, Sin and Ishtar. Um, also some client improvements and stuff. The last thing is uh, AT feeders. Uh, Jintan, you were, you're in a tie for a reason, right? Or do you just dress like that? Is that an American oh, flag behind you? It is an American flag behind you're me. Super yeah, you know. alt-right, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm wearing this because I just did my um interview for the AT uh to be an AT commentator potentially TM. Oh, awesome. Well the feeders start next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that's covered by Event I think, not yeah. CCP. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh if you're into the Alliance tournament stuff, that all starts next weekend. Uh we'll probably bring it up one more time. If you wanted to hear a great show on it, last week's show we covered the Alliance tournament. All right. Now, the last thing, if we can show you the new INN logo uh, that we have just designed, a uh, great designer by the name of Prague, um, really just blasted through some great stuff. And uh, we've um, kind of picked up what we like, and we're about to start spreading it all over the place from our streamers to our site. And uh, so you can look forward to a whole new look. Um, the actual site design won't change for a while. Uh, that takes time, obviously, because a lot of programming involved. It's not just a matter of design. But, um, yeah, so there it is. And uh, that's just the beginning. There's a lot of stuff that goes with that. Uh, it's a beautiful little concise logo. Amazing designer. Uh, Prague uh, is just fantastic. And uh, we have a creative team at INN that's about 25, 26 uh, people big. 
and they're all great. They all work uh, really hard, and it's a it's a nice team environment from people who take screenshots uh, of space and battles, um, people who are designers that create art for the stories, to people who create graphs, and also, of course, uh, people who create video and motion graphics like Corin, Resorian, uh, Prague. John Drees joined the team as a video guy, and he's doing tutorials with us. So. It's, it's really kind of a cool environment. Uh, this is, of course, to me, like the crown jewel, that logo. Uh, and so we'll look forward to a lot of other stuff uh, that you're going to be seeing soon. I love that logo. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's uh, so good. And uh, this is, again, just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more design behind this logo uh, that you will be seeing starting to uh, populate. Um, that said, if you have a talent uh, that you think applies to INN, let me know. I'm on Discord for INN. And uh, I'm constantly there looking for talented people who want to be part of a team effort, uh, creating good stuff. All right. Uh, anything else, guys? We can't do shout outs to many of us, but if anybody feels strongly about something, let me know. Go ahead, Carneros. Shout out to CCP and congratulations on your 20th anniversary. Oh, that's a huge one. I could do a whole show on that. 20 years of CCP, the company that makes EVE Online. Fantastic. Right. Um, let me just thank some people who donated here or uh, followed. Um, INN, uh, sorry, uh, Rose, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just uh, will try to pronounce these. Rosalati, or Rosale, Rosalette, never mind. Rosaletteshi. God, thank you. Hey, Seamus, can you read this part? Certainly. So thanks to the falls to Rosaletteshi, Forest Unknown, Death in Jest, Chevalier, with a lot of threes. Yes, indeed. Uh, am- amusing username subscribed for 28 months in a row, and Gredden donated $20. Wow, Gredden, that's a blockbuster. And thanks a lot, uh, amusing username, for subscribing for 28 months in a row to this channel. Uh, the channel thanks you very much. Good shot, um, Yeah, I didn't even have to take a shot for it. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for coming uh, today. Thank you, Vili, for making some time. Apple Pear, Carneros, Izzy, thank you, uh, and Seamus, and of course, Jintan and Dirk. Thank you guys for showing up uh, in the audience. Appreciate it. That's all we have this week. We will see you next week on Talking In Stations. <laughs>